We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Good morning and welcome to the morning briefing for Friday, February 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is our producer. And coming up on today's show, we'll be joined by the VFW to talk about an issue taking place at one of our most famous memorials. Seems people are doing something at the Vietnam War Memorial, a.k.a. the Wall, that might seem like a good idea, but really isn't. Later, we'll speak to Vet Ticks as they come up on a very special day. You see, while Super Bowl Sunday is celebrated and enjoyed by football fans around the country, the day holds a very important place in the history of Vet Ticks, who, if you don't know about them, are an organization that works to provide free tickets to amazing events for the military and veterans across the country. All of that and more on the morning briefing, and it starts now as we welcome producer Jake Hughes into the studio. Jake, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Eric, how are you? I'm okay. Yesterday I woke up and like jumped out of bed, was like wide awake and ready to go. Not so much today. I hit snooze <laughs> like two, three times on the alarm. Yeah, I actually changed my uh, my routine. I woke up five minutes earlier Ooh. than I usually do, and surprisingly, it made a world of difference. Like, here's the thing about Washington D.C. and the surrounding areas: five minutes can be the difference between traffic gridlock and smooth sailing. That's true, although I will say, having lived in other major metropolitan areas uh, like New York City, if you have to drive in New York, it, it, five minutes, I mean, it doesn't even make a difference. <laughs> You're going to sit in traffic. It really just depends on uh, on whether it's with anywhere near working hours. If it's, you might think, you know, 9 o'clock a.m., if I leave home at 7 and I have 26 miles to go from, like, let's say, Long Island, where I lived, into the lower uh, west side of Manhattan, where I worked, You'd think two hours would be long enough to go 26 miles. I mean, basically, you'd have to go like seven miles every 30 minutes. Uh, not so much all the time. Uh, <laughs> I would be able to do that on my motorcycle when the weather permitted uh, because I didn't have to worry about looking for parking. I could uh, you know, maybe when uh, things got to a stop at a red light or anything or in traffic, I might be able to zip in between the lanes or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, anytime you live in a big city, there's going to be traffic issues. And that's why... Uh, in in New York in particular, and somewhat in, in D.C. as well, mass transit is so important. You have to take, like, it, I could always depend on exactly how long it would take me to get into work in New York if I was taking the Long Island Railroad and then to the New York subway system. It would take the same amount of time. I get on the same train every day. I'd always be on time for work. Problem is, it's expensive. It was like 30-something dollars round trip for the train, another $5 each day for the subway. Uh, and that I think that's gone up in the last uh, seven, eight months since I left there. Uh, it just it, it cost a lot of money, a lot more than it did to drive in. And then you go to many cities where mass transit is, is almost non-existent, where it's like, you know, there might be some buses or anything. Like Philadelphia, for example. Philadelphia has a subway system. 
that's like two or three trains or something like that. They take yeah. you to very specific places. So Houston's the same way. We have buses and we have the one light rail system on the surface. We don't obviously because we're in a yeah. flooding area, we don't have a subway. No, that would be a, a bad thing. As, yes. As they saw during like Hurricane Katrina in New York City when the water cascaded down the stairs into so many subway stations uh, in the lower Manhattan area. Uh, you know, it is interesting. Mass transit, some places set up and have it great. Some don't. Jacksonville, which uh, traffic there is weird. Driving there is weird. Doesn't matter how far you need to go. And I believe it's the second largest city in the country area-wise. No matter where you went, no matter what time of day, it always took 30 minutes to get there. <laughs> if, if it was you were going five miles, 30 minutes. Going 20 miles, 30 minutes. It, it was very, very strange. They have, as you said, like an elevated train system there. Again, flooding area, you're on the water, Florida's you know sea level, basically, so not a subway system going to be put in there. But nobody used it. The thing was empty most of the time when I saw it. I mean, I went on it once just for the heck of it, and uh, yeah, never really, uh, never really caught on down there for whatever reason. People would just prefer to drive and spend the 30 to 45 minutes it took to get from uh, whatever point to whatever point. It's a place where time and distance don't really have any meaning, Jacksonville, yeah, Florida. Yeah, uh, Houston's the same way with our public transit. Like, the light rail is usually pretty empty, um, except during Astros games and uh, rodeo time. That's yeah. when it's packed. That's how you know you're in Texas, when rodeo time is one of the big events. Oh, yeah, the month-long rodeo in March. Oh, I love it, man. Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. It's amazing. A month-long. Oh, those poor clowns must get tired. <laughs> I remember rodeo clowns going to the rodeo in Florida when visiting my grandparents when I was a kid, seeing a monster truck. I think it was Gravedigger that was down there uh, at the uh, at the rodeo. It was pretty Gravedigger. Cool Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you can pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being on the edge of our seats, hey, Jake, why don't what's we up? get on the edge of our seats and take a look at what's happening around the world of veteran and military news. Here's an interesting one from New Hampshire. It has to do with the uh, it has to do with the VA system up there. And the New Hampshire Senate has passed legislation allowing physicians from the Veterans Affairs Medical Center to continue treating patients at outside facilities while the flood damaged VA hospital is being renovated. See, other hospitals agreed to let VA providers use their facilities after a burst pipe in July caused severe flooding at the VA hospital in Manchester, which has had several issues over the last year. But under New Hampshire licensing rules, doctors with out-of-state medical licenses can only practice at the VA hospital. So some of the doctors at the Manchester VA hospital weren't licensed in New Hampshire. They had come from within the VA system. Let's say they were uh, from Vermont and moved over from the VA hospital in Vermont to the VA hospital in Manchester. They could practice there. It's a federal uh, facility. They couldn't practice at any of the state facilities. Republican Governor Chris Sununu issued an executive order in August to temporarily lift those requirements. And this bill that was passed by the Senate on Thursday would allow the VA staffers to continue treating patients at other facilities until July of 2019. The flooding happened days after the Boston Globe published the allegations of substandard care and conditions at the VA center, which we've talked about here on the show before, including what appeared to be either rust or blood on surgical instruments, dried blood. Either way, not a good thing. Flies in the operating rooms and more. It's it's a place that's had significant issues and now was damaged by floods which has forced many of those seeking care at the VA hospital to seek that care now out in town. The bill now goes to the New Hampshire House of Representatives, and we'll see exactly what happens uh, with that up in Concord, New Hampshire. We'll keep an eye on it. 
Here's another one from a Veterans Affairs Clinic. An Army veteran was shot during a confrontation inside a VA clinic in Oregon earlier this week. He had gone there to seek mental health, mental help for mental health problems and didn't go very well. He's now in jail, charged with attempted assault, unlawful use of a weapon, menacing and other crimes. And as I mentioned, he was shot. Gilbert Matt Negret allegedly displayed a knife Thursday after arriving at the clinic at White City, where he had an appointment. The Jackson County Sheriff's Office said VA police tried less lethal force options to disarm Negret before one of the officers fired, hitting him in the chest. The 34-year-old was flown to a hospital in nearby Medford, and no one else was injured in the incident. Negret was released from the hospital Saturday and is in the county jail with bail set at $250,000 this week. Deputy District Attorney Laura Cromwell told the AP that Negret was arraigned Monday via a video hookup from jail. He's being provided with a public defender. Authorities will convene a grand jury later this week, which will determine whether or not to indict Negret. The the attorney, Cromwell, said in a telephone interview, she anticipates that his attorney will urge the grand jury to take Negret's military history into account, and at least five of the seven jurors must concur for the case to move forward. The grand jury is also going to review the police officer's actions. Grand jury is convened every time there is an officer involved shooting in the county. Negret's service record, the AP got that from U.S. Army Human Human Resources Command at Fort Knox, shows that Negret served in Iraq for one year in October 2008 and then in Afghanistan from October 2010 to August 2011. He was awarded the Army Achievement Medal, which the government says is issued for a soldier who distinguished himself or herself by meritorious service or achievement while serving in a non-combat area, and he also had more routine medals and ribbons. Although the Army Achievement Medal, and we're speaking about uh, you know this Army veteran who was shot at a VA clinic after wielding a knife, uh, kind of uh, kind of a bad story. He was there for trying to seek help, seek help for mental health issues. You know, it's interesting when you see these stories as they're written like that, where you know he was awarded the Army Achievement Medal as well as more routine medals and ribbons. Well, the Army Achievement Medal is a very routine metal i mean that's like it's it's basically the one that's given out the most in the army to people right yeah it's very common like i got one uh crap i think i got one for uh helping organize the arms room one time well good good job jake jake stacked up everything properly and got that the army uh in my defense the, the the arms room was a mess so well there you go and you cleaned it up but the army achievement medal is basically the lowest level of metal that's not automatic yeah. When they talk about uh, more routine medals and ribbons, like your good conduct medal or something like that, that it's just a period of time and you get it. Your overseas uh, service uh, medals or things like that, just a period of time and then you get it. Whereas the Army Achievement Medal, yes, the paperwork does need to be submitted on it. You need to be basically nominated by your command, essentially. And it's it's a an award that any command can sign off on. You don't need like a, a review from generals or even a no. I think a, whoever's the commanding officer can provide it, even if they're not like a full bird, right? I no, yeah, the approving officer is a battalion commander, so lieutenant colonel. Yeah, lieutenant colonel is the one who can approve that. So always interesting when you see these stories, and you know when you hear about. Uh, sometimes uh, there was a, uh, I believe he was a former Marine out in California who uh, attempted to procure things to commit terrorist acts. Uh, he had converted to Islam and decided to become an extremist and was trying to get the stuff. Turned out he was talking to the feds and uh, they mm-hmm. basically got him uh, before he could do any damage. But when you saw the reports on that, they were like, he received the uh, Marine Corps, uh, like, uh, well, I think it was a sharpshooter. 
uh, medal or something like that. And you're like, sharpshooter? He wasn't even an expert? Like, the Marines pride themselves on that. Like, if you just get marksman or sharpshooter in, in the Marine Corps... You get looked down on. Yeah, that's not good, man. That's that's not good at all. Interesting how that's presented in the media, though, where it's given as, like, an example. Like, oh, you'll see sometimes you'll be, like, a decorated Navy veteran who received the National Defense Service Medal and the Global War on Terrorism <laughs> Service Medal. You're like, well, yeah, you get those two, like, I think after you get out of boot camp, yep. right? Mm -hmm. then in the Army, you, you, got, you got Global War on Terrorism as soon as you graduated. I didn't. Uh, I, I went to boot camp before September 11th. I went in 1998. So when we got out of boot camp, we got nothing you came out and you had nothing but maybe some stripes on your uh, on your sleeve depending on any education that you had i came out as a, a seaman an e3 because i was a sea cadet for many years and that got me the uh promotion to e3 which was an extra like 50 dollars a paycheck or something like that which hey i was taking it you didn't even fun. get like the national defense service no is it when in the army when you when you graduate base training you get two you get the army service ribbon and the national defense service ribbon that's what we like to make fun of LTs lieutenants yeah, to go, hey it's okay yeah it's okay LT <laughs> my private has two ribbons too <laughs> uh, so it's because I joined in ninety eight prior to September eleventh what what year did you join two thousand three there you go. I think that's the demarcation point after September 11th. And then when they decided on, you know, all the medals and stuff, we weren't in a state of war when I went in. You could argue that we were because you had uh, the Cobar Towers. And then when I was actually at Great Lakes in boot camp is when the embassies uh, in Africa were attacked by Al Qaeda. Um, so you could argue that that the date of the uh, the global war on terrorism certainly predates September 11th. But. That's the line of demarcation. So after that, then you started seeing, you know, semen recruits, so-and-so showing up with a, a couple of medals. And you'd be like, what is that? The Air Force, back when I came in, were the ones that got made fun of by everybody because they came out of boot camp with like a boot camp completion ribbon or something <laughs> like that. And you were like, what? You, you you made it through Air Force boot camp and they gave you a ribbon? Yeah, I think it was a ribbon. I don't think it was a medal. Yeah, there's a really funny video you can look up on Facebook and YouTube about a guy who's making fun of There's a video of uh, an Air Force uh, DI talking about how, well, the mis common misconception is the Air Force is the easiest branch and we're actually about as hard as the Army or the Marine Corps. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Really? Huh. Let's ask a couple Marines and a couple soldiers about that. Let's ask a couple airmen about that. I think yeah. the majority of them are going to tell you, like, uh, yeah, no, that's nonsense. That's that's absolutely We had it hard, man. True. Downrange, I had to make my own latte. There are jobs in each branch of the service that are just as hard as anything in the others, yep. and there are a lot of similarities. But when you talk about what Marines go through uh, in basic training, uh, it, it's it's a little bit different than what everybody else goes through. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can is, openly admit uh, Marine Corps boot camp looks harder than Army. Oh, yeah, Army Paris Island training. and and uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego, both places are. Uh, you know, just uh, people have fond memories after they leave. Yeah, not while they're there. I mean, they are the the crucible. Really, the way that they do things at basic training and in advertising uh, are kind of followed by the other branches. Like they had the crucible for several years, and then the Navy was like, "Oh, we like the idea of a, of a boot camp ending." evolution that everybody goes through and they started this thing called battle stations which I, I think might still be a thing i don't know this is 20 years ago when i was in boot camp back in 98 so things might have changed uh it wasn't quite the same as the crucible it was like 24 plus hours and you were running around doing all sorts of stuff basically uh, kind of like a um 
think of it as if you sit in a classroom reading a book and then maybe doing a couple of uh, uh, experiments and stuff, and then you have to put it all together as like a final project. It's what Battle Stations was. Yeah, when I was in basic training, we had uh, or one station unit training, but rather we had an ending uh, FTX field training exercise that was we had a 20k ruck march out. Then we spent uh, five days out in the field doing tanker stuff, and then another 25k back. Yeah, ours was like 24, 36 hours, something like that. It was, it was, you didn't sleep. You just went for that whole time and you did everything. And it was, uh, it was kind of cool. And then at the end, you got what was called the Warriors Breakfast. So when we ate, as, as I'm sure was the case uh, with the Army, when we ate and when we were at boot camp, you'd go in, everybody stood at attention in line while they were waiting. They'd get up there. There were recruits during their service week that would feed you, you know, give you the food. It wasn't very good. You didn't have a lot of options. It was healthy, and uh, that's where I first ate grits. I don't think I'd ever eaten grits until I got there. I pass on the grits every time. I learned that uh, if you put some butter and sugar on them, they're delightful. But other than that, it's just kind of uh, this tasteless you know, glob. You know what breakfast food I never ate till I was in basic training? Sausage. Really? For, for some reason, I never wanted to try sausage. I think it's because my brother really liked it, and I wanted to be as <laughs> different from him as possible. But uh, but once I ate it, it's like, wow, this is tasty. Yeah. I mean, for us, it was uh, you'd be in there. There were TVs that showed... Um, I, like Navy propaganda, I think is the best way to do it. <laughs> Everything was just like, you know, they would have like uh, little informational things to try and teach you something about, uh, you know, the rules on uh, uniforms and then don't drink and drive and then weird little things. Like I learned that uh, Wyoming uh, is the windiest state. You might think Illinois because of Chicago being the windy city, but in fact, it's Wyoming, like that kind of thing that you would see those. But that was the only TV that we had, so and we're how, like, "How hey, lame is your state that that's the only thing you have the claim for?" We're really windy. Well, Wyoming's got uh, other things. It's got mountains and uh, uh, cowboys, <laughs> and they're the only state that starts with a W. Oh no, wait, Washington. So that's not true. I don't know. I'm sure there's stuff going on. In yeah, I, I kid Wyoming. You're that's a prime. State. It's a beautiful place. I, I've I've read and I've seen in pictures. I've never been there. So, yeah. So this is uh, you know it's one of those interesting things when you think back on boot camp and even you coming in just five years after me. Things changed from ninety eight to two thousand three. Kids were coming out with ribbons and medals and stuff. If you were in the fleet, I think it was sometime in like two thousand two that everybody just was told like, hey, everybody's got these two. Go put them on. And that was the the G Watt and the. Um, uh, the GWAT and the, uh, the National Defense Service Medal. Yeah. But when it comes to things like, um, you know, the Army Achievement Medal, and the Army in particular, and the Air Force, I think, to some extent, uh, are a lot more freewheeling with the uh, Achievement Medals than the Navy and Marine Corps are. Like, I would see uh, a, a Army specialist who had like two or three Army Achievement Medals when I was a second class or first class even in the Navy. I had one. We got one Navy Achievement Medal. Now, because of the weird commands that I worked at, I had an Army Commendation Medal before I even got a NAM. I had uh, you know, all, just various things that happened. Joint Service Achievement Medal, Navy Commendation, all these things. I mean, if you look down my service record and medals, I wouldn't call myself particularly a highly decorated sailor, but compared to some of the people that you see in media reports, I, I'm Chesty Puller, you know, yeah, you look at me, comparatively speaking. It's like, he was one of the AAM, like, 
I got five of those. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this guy has the uh, Navy Achievement Medal, and be like, wow, well, I have the Navy Com, Army Com. Uh, let's see. Oh, and don't forget that I have my uh, expert marksmanship badge, which makes me just a certified killing machine. You're a hardcore sniper. Or uh, I'm able to put some rounds on a target from like 50 yards away, which is not all that difficult. But speaking of shooting. I actually shot pretty well recently when I went out hunting at Don oh, Shipley's yeah. location on the eastern shore of Maryland. And now, finally, the video from that event is up. It's a fun little video. You can check it out on ConnectingVets.com. We went out there with uh, with our friend Rob Jones and his friend Ben Kiernan, two Marine Corps combat engineers who were injured. Uh, Rob, I believe, in 2010 and then Ben in 2011. I may have the years wrong, but it was like... The year after Rob got hurt was when Ben got hurt. Uh, Rob losing both of his legs to an IED. Ben uh, being pretty severely injured uh, during his. And actually now, you know, over uh, about a decade later or whatever, uh, we learned he's actually considering having his leg amputated now. The pain keeps getting worse. And he said to me, you know, as I get older, uh, I don't know if that's something that I want to deal with. If it's just going to keep getting worse, it's already pretty bad. So the kind of decisions that... uh, Wounded warriors have to go through the kind of stresses that they have to go through like Rob does with dealing with two prosthetic legs uh, and everything that comes with that, particularly for someone like Rob who runs 31 marathons in 31 days, bikes across the country, incredibly active guy. Um, We took them out there and to Warriors Rest, which is Don and Diane Shipley, both Navy veterans. Don, of course, a retired Navy SEAL. Diane, a former Navy bosun's mate. They uh, have bought this property with the intent of turning it into uh, a retreat for wounded warriors to take them out there and do outdoorsy things like fishing and hunting and kind of let them get their minds off of the stresses that they go through in day-to-day life, whether it's something dealing with their injuries or something else. Boy, did we go out there with high expectations thinking this is going to be cool came back like, oh my God, this is even cooler than we thought it would be. (laughs) Uh, We did some hunting. It was a successful hunt. If you're not a big into hunting or anything, might not be the video for you. You're not going to see anything get uh, uh, shot out of the sky because that's not how it worked with the video setup that we had. But it is a hunting trip. You will see uh, perhaps some dead geese at the end of it, about seven of them, I think. Um, So uh, there's a great video. You can check that out on ConnectingVets.com. And another thing that's up on ConnectingVets.com now kind of relates to that story we were talking about with the former soldier who was shot at the uh, veterans clinic in Oregon uh, for wielding a knife and refusing to put it down. They tried less lethal options. Nothing was working. So an officer shot him in the chest. He's alive. He's uh, he's jailed now. Uh, We'll see what happens with that. We'll have to keep an eye on it. See if the mitigating circumstances outweigh it. Maybe they just try to get him the mental health uh, assistance that he clearly needed. But there's a story that we have up on connecting vets by our own Matt Sainsing headlined half of veterans aren't receiving that mental health care they need report fines and it says the problem is they often don't know where to start research shows up to 18 percent of oef and oif veterans have ptsd after they return and depression in returning troops can be as high as 25 percent. that's one in four despite that half of the veterans who need that mental health care don't get it, according to a new study by the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, Medicine, and Medicine that was released uh, just a couple days ago. Assessment was ordered by Congress in 2013 and conducted by a committee of 18 researchers, and they found that the majority, over half, don't know whether they're even eligible, don't know how to get the services, and don't even know what the, that the VA provides mental health care, according to the investigation. Now. Some of that, I think, is on the VA and getting that information out there. Some of that, though, is on those veterans or those military members. Now, 
I went through the transition assistance program, and when the VA came in, they were very clear on the things they provide, what's available there. They talked to us about that. Um, If you don't know you need that at the time, I could see how you might ignore it. You might not do a lot of research into it. Then as it becomes clear, it can probably be confusing as to uh, how to get started, where to go. And, uh, you know, I, I, I understand that. But you, you, you know, the VA needs to do a better job of getting the word out, but y'all pay attention, pay attention when you're in there, when you're getting these classes and everything. And Google is your friend. Just check it out. VA mental health care, and it'll, it'll send you to where you need to go to get started. Or at the other token, contact anyone of our veteran service organizations like the VFW is going to be joining us here in just a few moments. The American Legion, uh, AMVETS, uh, DAV. There are so many VSOs out there who would absolutely be able to point you uh, not just in the right direction. They will point you to the exact right place for your region, for your location, and make sure that uh, that you get taken care of. So, you know, the VA needs to do a better job of getting it out there. But if if you or someone you know is in need of that help, reach out. You know, don't just sit there and think, I don't know what to do. Think about that in a military context. If you are outside the wire and, and let's say, I don't know, you got separated from your unit or whatever, you're just going to sit there going, oh, I don't know what to do. Hemming and hawing. No, get out there and be active. And when it comes to yourself, your health, particularly your mental health, it, the first step to getting help is often reaching out for it. So this study shows a lot of things, but I, I think also don't. Don't worry about reaching out for health and how that might reaching out for help and how that might look. You've got to do it. You know? Yeah, you've absolutely got to. As long as you don't like to admit it, there is a bit of a stigma when it comes to reaching out for mental health. There you is because because people they see it as like oh you know they may think you're faking it or they may think oh it's not that serious because you're not suicidal blah blah blah. And that's the only thing I can think of is that maybe people are seeing on the surface all the mental health numbers and stuff are focused towards suicide prevention. It could be. Well, they say that veterans. Find that getting an appointment is burdensome and that some routine issues, even finding parking, are a problem. That's not good. Well, we're going to talk about another problem, one taking place at the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C. with the VFW. This is The Morning Briefing. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is your producer, and we'll be back right after this. Helping military veterans stay connected. We make it easy. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. Welcome back to The Morning Briefing. February 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Jake Hughes is your producer. And ConnectingVets.com is your website. Created by veterans for veterans and focusing on the veteran and military experience to provide you with the latest, greatest information, news, benefits. You want to check out ConnectingVets.com every day. And the best way to do that is to follow us on social media. We are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. A little click of your mouse or tap on your phone is going to change your life for the better because our team of veterans is working hard every day to get the best and most timely information out there to you. We've been talking about what's on the Connecting Vets site today, and you can, of course, find, well, how about this story? U.S. missile interceptor test in Hawaii fails again. Yeah, not a good one. How about Green Beret and NFL vet Nate Boyer, who joined us here on the morning briefing just a couple days ago, talking about the flag protests in the NFL. Of course, he's highly involved in that because he's the one who actually convinced Colin Kaepernick to take a knee 
Now he convinced him to do that instead of sitting, which Kaepernick originally was doing because he thought that would be a little bit less disrespectful. It's a fascinating story about a fascinating man. Nate Boyer was a relief worker in the Darfur region of Sudan, then joined the Army, served as a Green Beret, then went to school at the University of Texas walked onto the football team having never played before, and yes, eventually made it all the way to the NFL. And now is in two major motion pictures that are in movies, 12 Strong and Den of Thieves. He's got a TV show coming up. Check out that story and so much more at ConnectingVets.com. You know, I've gotten in touch with a lot of fantastic programs through this show, some of which I've just been glad to learn about, and a few of which I've actually been able to kind of participate in. And this that I'm about to tell you may sound like a paid advertisement, but I assure you it is not. This is just a true story. We had vet ticks on our show barely early on last spring, I believe it was. And we talked about the, uh, the program and I signed up for it to be able to get a look at it, see what kind of things were available. And I was very impressed. And then I didn't log on to vet ticks again for a little while until Eric Koal, the Marine who runs MyMMANews.com, who I've uh, dealt with before in uh, covering some events for him. And when I've called professional fights before, uh, he, his website was covering it. So I talked to them through that. Says, hey, I know you're living down near Baltimore now. There's some fights happening down in Baltimore you might be interested in. And guess what? There are tickets on Vet Ticks for it. And I went, oh, I have a Vet Ticks account. I'm going to go see how this actually works. How does it work? It works incredibly well. And it was an incredibly fun night that cost me just some handling fees, essentially, for, for getting the tickets. Other than that, totally free for myself, my wife, an old Navy buddy, Jason, and his wife, Ariana. We got to go and see some great fights for basically nothing thanks to VetTix. And right now, we are joined by the Chief Strategy Officer of VetTix, Mr. Stephen Weintraub, one of the men responsible for that fantastic night that I had. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on the morning briefing today. How you doing? Hey, good. Good morning, shipmate. Doing great. How are you today? I'm doing okay. And as you may have picked up there when he said shipmate, Stephen is actually a member of the Sea Services. Although not the Navy, we're not going to hold that against him. He's actually a colonel in the United States Marine Corps Reserve. So, Steve, give us just a little bit of your military background, where you're from, when you joined, and what you've done during your time in. Great. Okay. Yeah, I am. Um I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where that's where I'm at now, and that's where VetTix is located. So while I was in college at Arizona State University, I enlisted in the Marine Corps Reserves. So I was uh, I was enlisted for two years, and while I was in college as an undergrad, I went uh, through the Marine Officer Program. So uh, upon completing that, I I got commissioned uh, as a second lieutenant. Uh, did about five years on active duty. And then after I got off active duty, I stayed in the Marine Corps Reserves. So I've been in the Reserves ever since. And um, basically, two, since then, two deployments to Iraq while I was in, while I was on active duty, I was in Somalia for Operation Restore Hope. So uh, aside from some really cool things, both on active duty and in the Reserves, uh, I've been, uh, you know, having really, really enjoying my time in the military, and I, I really like to pay it forward. So VetTix is such a great organization to be able to do that. 
And I just told my vet tick story on how, you know, I actually got to use it and had such a great night at Shogun Fights up in Baltimore, uh, basically thanks to vet ticks. And it's it's a great organization. And for people who are interested in how it works, essentially, you sign up and, and you're given a, a certain amount of coins that you're able to put into raffles for tickets, a lottery, essentially, for some tickets, while some others are first come, first serve. And it, it allows you to go to so many great events, live sporting events, musical events, theater performances, stand-up comedy. I mean, if there are tickets to an event, there's a chance that there might be some available on VetTix to any live thing. And, you know, VetTix is a fairly new organization. And actually, I understand that this weekend is a pretty important anniversary in uh, in the VetTix community. What can you tell us about the tie between VetTix and the Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, so we VetTix actually started in 2008, and the concept originated at uh, at Super Bowl back in 2008. So our our CEO and one of our our, our co-founder was at the Super Bowl game, and he's a he's a Navy vet, and so him and his buddy who was a vet were were at the game, and one of their buddies was uh, was part of the color guard. So they're at the game, they're watching the the march on the colors colors come on colors come off and they they see that the color guard detail doesn't have seats they can stand around throughout the game on the mezzanine things like that but they didn't have seats for them but throughout the game there was a couple empty seats by them and then they noticed that there was other pockets of empty seats so that's how the concept came about because our our ceo and founder mike focaretto Said, you know, how can we get these unused seats uh, into the uh, the tickets for these into the hands of veterans and service members? So that's how that's how the concept came about uh, ten years ago at the Super Bowl. And so now, fast forward, we're uh, we're into our ten year anniversary right now, two thousand eight. And so, kind of as a bookend, um, we actually did get two tickets donated for uh, for a football game on Sunday, this coming Sunday in Minneapolis. So by, by pure chance and luck, um, we have two tickets that are going to a vet kicker who is going to see the Super Bowl this Sunday. Which is fantastic. I mean, the fact that you guys are able to provide tickets to everything from, you know, local stand-up comedy performances to the biggest sporting event uh, of the year in the Super Bowl. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it is. The fact that VetTix is able to do that is fantastic. And, you know, if people go to the site, VetTix.org, you can see the number of tickets given out per year by VetTix. There's actually a graph of that. And, I mean, the number just keeps soaring up. If, for example, in 2018, in just the first well, month, you've already uh, done a lot more than you did in the first year that you were in existence. So uh, seeing the growth of VetTix, how happy is your team with that? And, and how do you think you can continue to keep VetTix growing to get even more tickets out there to the veteran community? Well, obviously, we're really happy about it. And But uh, the other part of that is is that we want to continue to grow. And we've been very fortunate that we've been, we've been growing by, as far as members-wise, we're growing it over 500 members a day that sign up and it doesn't cost anything to sign up. So all you have to do is verify your, your veteran status or uh, proof of, of uh, military service or currently serving. So, but the, the growth piece is, is that a lot of our donors to include live nation entertainment, who is our, our biggest donor realizes that 
we have the ability to get these tickets that would otherwise go unused into the hands of people that are actually going to attend the events. So that's where, uh, from a from a business model perspective, uh, if you're a if you're a team, an event, a venue, a promoter, and those seats go empty, it it, it doesn't look good on TV to the promoter or things like that, but. What we're able to do is send these folks, these veterans and service members and their families to these events for basically free. So now they can afford to, you know, buy their kids a jersey or buy some food concessions. So from the economic model, a lot of our donors understand the the, the value, other than the fact that it's a it's a way to say thank you for your service and for, for your sacrifice. And there are so many great events available through VetTix, and there's actually other programs that you guys are involved in as well that I know about. So I actually want to talk to you a little bit about those programs, like Heroes Wish. What can you tell me about Heroes Wish? Heroes Wish is um, is a program. We only have two programs: Tickets for Troops, which we were talking about, and Heroes Wish. And what Heroes Wish is is a program where um, it's 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 available to to currently serving members of the military who did six months of getting back from a deployment or maybe they're home on R&R or a severely wounded veteran. If, uh, if you had that wish, you always wanted to take your family to, to an event. Um, you know, a, a lot of our heroes' wishes are, are to Disney properties. So I'll use that as an example. It's like, hey, I've always wanted to bring my family to Disney World, but I just can't afford it. So what we do is we provide the tickets for that for that event at, at totally free. Uh, we can't cover the the travel expenses, be it the airfare or the lodging. But if if that individual can can financially commit to that, we will provide the tickets to said event. And one of the cool things is is that uh, you know we we had a we had a soldier, we had a uh, army, he was a captain who was home on R&R from Afghanistan, and he was able to take his parents to go see Hamilton on Broadway. So that was a, that was a neat hero's wish. And the cool thing was, was that we were able to get the tickets through a contact uh, who's uh, one of the producers on the show. So after the, after the play, the producer wanted to meet this soldier and say thank you uh, for his service and meet his family. So it was a really neat experience for, for this, uh, this soldier in this case. You know, I think the question that some people might have when they look at this amazing program out there is how you guys are able to do this, you know, how you're able to, to get so many wonderful tickets that you're able to give out to people through tickets to troops, how you're able to do Heroes Wish. And what's the answer to that question? I mean, are all these tickets donated or how do you, how do you come by the tickets that you're able to give out? Well, so aside from donors, so as mentioned, a lot of times they may be sports teams or maybe a a venue like a performing arts venue. So aside from from those types of donors, like such as Live Nation, what happens is is that you you'd mentioned that the tickets are free, but what we uh, what we ask is a small transaction fee upon checkout, and that's never going to be more than fourteen dollars and ninety seven cents, and that's not per ticket, that's per transaction. So that that lucky son of a gun who's going to the uh, to to the Super Bowl on Sunday, courtesy of Vet Kicks, is paying fourteen dollars and ninety seven cents, and that's not per ticket, that's per transaction. So what happens is is that a lot of times at checkout, uh, when you when you pay your transaction fee, there's there's a little 
you know, box that says, you know, would you like to donate to Vectix? And so a lot of times these people are like, I'm getting an amazing deal here. Maybe, you know, maybe it's four tickets to the, to the Nationals game and the face value on those is, you know, $65 and I'm getting them for $15 in essence. So at checkout, I'm going to donate maybe $5 or whatever to pay it forward. So that's how we're able to get uh, more tickets aside from the donations. And so for the Hero's Wish, we we usually have to buy those tickets. So if it's to, to Disney or to Hamilton or things like that, very rarely do we get those things donated. So we rely on uh, monetary donations for things like that to obtain those tickets. And of course, if you go onto the website, you know, you can look and see, and it's vettix.org, V-E-T-T-I-X.org. You can see some of these, if you click on the Hero's Wish tab, uh, some of the people who are, are have things that they hope to go to. We're talking about, you know, soldiers and, and sailors, Marines, airmen who are deployed over uh, in Afghanistan and places like that who are looking to come home and go to Disney World. And you can see how much how much uh, it's going to cost them, how much the, is still looking for it. And the fact that it's covered by, uh, you know, donations by their fellow service members, that, that kind of makes it mean a little bit more to them, I would think. Don't you think, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, as mentioned, it's a way to pay it forward. And, and the neat thing is, is that because we are a nonprofit, we're a 501c3, any monetary donation that anybody donates to us, they'll receive an in-kind gift receipt for, the, uh, for that donation. So let's say you're a season ticket holder to, uh, you know, I mean, Green Bay Packers or, or um something like that, you can donate your tickets. Let's say you're not going to go to the game. Well, you can put them on some online ticket, uh, ticket broker or whatever, and maybe, maybe recoup 60% of the value or something like that. But when you donate them to vet ticks, you'll get an in-kind gift receipt for the face value of those tickets. So uh, the other part of that is, is that it's a, you know, it's a feel good. You're donating to a nonprofit uh, that, that helps and supports veterans so from that aspect, it's, uh, you know, it, it is definitely a feel-good thing. And the thing about it is, is that, as you know, Eric, when you're at these events, um, it's, it's, it's a way to take your mind off of the stresses of life, um, things like that. So if you're with your friends or your family for, for a couple hours or however long, you're at this event and you're, you're with your family, you're with your friends, you're rebuilding bonds, building relationships. And for us, it, the, the mission really is, is just a way to say thank you. And the cool thing is, is that a lot of times when we get these tickets donated by sports teams, venues and such, or we'll actually purchase tickets in blocks. So the cool thing is, is that when you're at these events, a lot of times you're sitting in sections that where you're sitting, you're sitting next to in front of behind other veterans and service members. So you've got a little community at the event right there. And that's a really great kind of added bonus of what VetTix is doing. And we're speaking with the Chief Strategy Officer of VetTix, Marine Corps Reserve Colonel Stephen Weintraub. And, you know, Stephen, while we were talking, I decided I was just going to click onto VetTix and look at just what's happening today and only concerts. So we're just talking about musical concerts here on today, February 2nd. Now, there are no tickets available for any of these, so if they sound interesting, I apologize. But just to give an example of what kind of things VetTix has going 
going on on any given day. February 2nd tonight, it looks like in Peekskill, New York, Pat Benatar performing uh, in Las Vegas. Incubus is performing tonight. They had tickets for that. George Strait, also in Vegas, tickets for that. The, the, the level of events, the quality of events you guys get tickets to is amazing, really. I mean, that's just a sample size of what's happening on one day in one category. How... How does it feel to see some of the events that you guys are able to get tickets for veterans to? I mean, as a team, how does the Vet Ticks feel about how they've been able to grow and get bigger and bigger names and bigger and bigger events added to their list? Well, you know, it's it, it, that, that's the front side of it, Eric, is, is that when you get to see all those really cool events, um, those those big-name concerts that, that we get tickets donated to, and then on the back side is that, the, the testimonials that we receive are, are so cool because um, you, you, you read these testimonials that vet tixers send into us, uh, thanking us for, for the opportunity, and that's really what recharges our batteries. So our, our staff, you know, it's a labor of love for, for everybody there, and not, not everybody that works at vet is, is a veteran. So we have non-vets that work there that um, you, you know, are, are just so, so grateful and so excited for, uh, you know, service members and what they've done. So when we read these testimonials and some of them are like, I, I never would have been able to attend this event and bring my family. So thank you to vet kicks and donor XYZ for providing these tickets. So it's so cool on the back end to see, to read these, uh, these testimonials and see the pictures that they send in because a lot of times these are you know kids events or family events so they've got their their family with them or their friends and so for us it's it's such a it's such a cool thing and, and one of the testimonials that that really resonates with me is on our website and this was back in 2014 when um, the Jersey Devils and the the Rangers were playing at um, I think it was like Yankee Stadium, and and so this uh, this veteran said, my battle buddies and I had time of our lives yesterday at the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. Uh, three of us had never been to Yankee Stadium, and two have never been to a hockey game. Not to mention the two best teams in the league. Um, he says, man, you had to be there. It was great therapy because we all battle with PTS and other ailments. So it was a great day for all of us. So. It, it's those types of things as well. So it, it's cool because those types of testimonials see how we're making a difference in the lives of these veterans and service members in a positive way. And as you mentioned, I, I went through a list of just some concerts that are happening tonight that Vet Ticks had tickets to. Sports are a huge one, of course. One of the biggest uh, live events around the country, of course, uh, and most in demand is sports. And you guys have a great variety there. I mean, looking at just the next couple of days, this Sunday, for people who uh, want to check out some uh, basketball action before the Super Bowl, you guys have... 240 tickets available to the Phoenix Suns and Charlotte Hornets NBA game out in Phoenix. I mean, it's it's really high-quality stuff. There's a lot of great events that are available there, whether it's a, a local thing, whether it's a musical performance, uh, a concert, anything like that. And as you said, people can go to the website and they can see uh, you know, the testimonials that people give. You have over 200,000 testimonials that people have given on the website, and it's really uh, fantastic to see that. You guys are also pretty accurate, uh, active on 
social media, right? I mean, VetTix, I've definitely seen your stuff popping up on Twitter and various other places. And of course, some of the great pictures of people attending those events and great information about VetTix uh, is on there. Like I'm looking at a recent tweet from just a couple days ago where it looks like, uh, oh, right in Maryland where I live, that Maryland uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling Pro Wrestling is now partnering with VetTix. Uh, pe- what can people do to keep up to date on what's going on at VetTix and what might be available for them in their areas? Well, the, the first thing that they can do is is sign up. So go to vettix.org, and then in the upper right-hand corner, there's a uh, there's a link to create an account. So the, the key thing there is um, you have to be verified as a Vettix member or what we call Vettixer to, uh, to, to, other than social media, to get notified about the events. So you create an account. It's super easy to do, and we've got to verify your you know, your service, your, your status as a veteran. And there's a couple of different ways we do that. We can do it through ID.me or some other ways. And it's all there on the signup page, as you, as you know, Eric. And so, but you've got to get verified. And once you get verified, once you go through that process, you'll start getting the daily emails about the events in your area or the areas that you choose. Because let's say you, you know, like you, you, you straddle the, the, the Maryland, D.C., area so you can create a a, a radius of, a, of events you want to get notified in. So once you become verified as a vet kicker, now you start getting the daily emails and then you can put in for these types of events. And, and then obviously on social media, via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, there you can see those events and we, a lot of times we post the testimonials um, uh, and those include the pictures of vet kickers at these events. So uh, I, I think we do a really good job of uh, getting the word out and promoting the different types of events we have and, uh, and the feedback we get. Just looking through the Twitter account, there's pictures of uh, Vet Tixers out at Comic-Con in Glendale, Arizona, uh, various hockey games, a lot of hockey games people are going to, basketball games, Bellator 192, a uh, big fighting event that took place a couple weeks ago, uh, Bad Fish, the Sublime Tribute Band. I mean, really just a great variety out there, and Vet Tix is doing a, a truly great thing there. And as Stephen mentioned, I do know, because I did sign up for Vet Tix and it's not difficult. You may think like, oh, I'm going to have to submit my DD-214. No, 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 no. You go on, and I, from what I remember, it took like five minutes for me to get verified. I put in you know, some last four on my social, dates of service, that kind of thing, and they were able to, to verify it pretty quickly. And then a short while later, I was able to use it and see that tickets to uh, Shogun Fights in Baltimore that would have cost us for the four of us, I think it would have been somewhere in the $300 range, and it ended up costing less than $20 for four people to go check it out. So really fantastic things that VetTix is doing for the veteran community. Again, that website is VetTix.org, and they are at VetTix on Twitter. They've got a Facebook page as well. Uh, Stephen, if you, if there's one message you could give to the people who haven't yet signed up for VetTix or those who have out there, really to the veteran community in general, what would that message be? The message is, you know, thank you for your service. Um, and thank you for your support. And get on VetTix, create an account, sign up, and, and stop missing out on attending some, some great events. And the thing, like you mentioned, it, it's super easy to sign up, and we don't ask for any personal identifiable information. We don't, we don't have a database of, of that information. We don't sell your your account information. It's really all about giving back to our veterans. So 
uh, like you mentioned, so many great events, and we're getting more and more every day. So if you haven't yet signed up, yeah, what are you waiting for? Uh, stop missing out on, on some great fun. Some great fun at a fantastically, fantastically reasonable price. Because all you're paying is like a handling fee for the tickets, basically. Well, we want to thank Stephen Weintraub. He is the Chief Strategy Officer of VetTix for joining us today. Also, of course, Joe Davis from the Veterans of Forum Wars. And want to remind you, at Connecting Vets on social media and ConnectingVets.com, go check out the latest and greatest. That Don Shipley and Rob Jones hunting video went up yesterday. You don't want to miss that. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.